holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Looking for wine with a reindeer-inspired name for your secret Santa? You've come to the right place. The sweetness of a maple-glazed ham paired with a bourbon barrel-aged Cabernet. Uh-oh, we went there. And now my taste buds are hopping. I can help you impress the boss with a great bottle of wine. Here's to a raise in 2019. As you check off that gift list this holiday season, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine & More. Cheers. Damn. <laughs> you about to hit it? Welcome to Men and Women Talk, the Mars Venus Show, with your host, Kinte and Shannon. This program hosts a weekly panel of men and women who discuss topics such as dating, the workplace, family, spirituality, cheating, and of course, sex. Monday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, this show is simulcasted live audio and video between the website IndieRadio.org and YouTube, which allows listeners all over the world to gather together to tackle challenging relationship issues. And now here is your hosts, Shannon and Kinte. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Men and Women Talk, the Mars Venus Show. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And I'm so happy to be with you tonight on episode 102. This is our season finale, season six finale. And we have a good one for you on a special night. But first, I am joined by my wonderful and beautiful, talented co-host, the one, the only, Shannon. What's up, Shannon? Hi. How are you? Yes. So, how, how was your weekend? I didn't, I didn't get a chance to ask you about it. Uh, I worked <laughs> overnight all weekend. Um, yep. That's uh, what I did. <sighs> now I'm trying to <laughs> recuperate from that, but I think I'm coming down with a cold. So, oh, listen. How was your weekend? My weekend was great. My weekend is really was really good. I got a lot of stuff done. Plus, um, you know, I'm getting ready for my trip. I'm going to Chicago uh, this Sunday. We're, we're going to Chicago. Yeah, are you come on down. Come come down. Join the family. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm really excited about it. Just got to take care of some business before I leave, and uh, you know, we'll be back for um, next year. So uh, okay. excited, excited. Can I- can I say hi to, to is it Talisha? Taisha. Hi, Taisha. Yes, Taisha, who was our guest last night. And of course, I see people on, on the YouTube chat as well as online listening to the audio. Uh, if you're on the YouTube chat, you can go into the, the right section, which is the top chat section. If you have any questions for our guest tonight, we will relay them to him. And also let us know that you are here. So let's get to it. This is our our last episode of the year, and uh, I'm not I, excited about that though. Huh? I said I'm not excited about that though. Well, last episode, yeah, of well, the year. Well, you know, Christmas is coming up. My birthday's coming up. Uh, you and know, and you know, how old are you gonna be? Like sixty-two. <laughs> uh, Sixty-one. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> get it right. Get it right. My bad. My bad. <laughs> So no no I mean you know it's good to take a take a little break uh you know I'm you sure took a break I know we gotta take another break okay you know, as a sixty year olds we need our breaks so <laughs> take a nap and get back onto it okay your turn 
All right. So our guest, uh, this is, um, I believe this is his fourth time coming on the show. This is the first time we're doing our one-on-one with him. We normally don't do a lot of one-on-ones on this particular show, but on this one, uh, I feel like it's great to have him on in this capacity. Uh, making his return to the show is dating coach. Uh, he is he's a dating coach. He's an author. He's a motivational speaker. And now this is different from last time he was on the show. Uh, he's a YouTube personality. It's the one and only Alan Roger Curry. How you doing, man? What's up, Kente? Glad to be back, man. I'm glad to have you back, man. And I, one thing I love about when you come on the show, you stir it up in a good way. And uh, definitely you you're not one of those guests that people forget about once the show is over. So that's that's one thing I, I love about having you on, Alan. Well, I appreciate you said it. Matter of fact, I, I, I got to do a little tooth of my horn. You know, two of my three previous appearances on your show, at least according to Spreaker, I had the most listens of that particular season, whatever oh. season I was on. Yeah, two of the three times I was on the show. So uh, that's right. So yeah, I guess I did say things that that either were very provocative or resonated with a lot of people. Yes, yes, yes. People, it's it's funny though. You have there were the first time you were on, there were a bunch of women who um, they'd be like, "Oh, that guy you had on, he's you know said whatever," and then <laughs> but then they're like, "Oh, you're gonna have him on again." <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it, it's pretty oh, cool yeah so let's do this um the, i don't know that uh we really had an opportunity to get really into your backstory and uh real quick i want to say shout out to curtis in the chat room as well as so so steph and uh Yay. yes thank you for everybody that is in the chat room checking us out um so let's get into your, a little bit about your backstory where are you from originally I was born and raised in Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana, like the Jacksons. Jackson yep. Five, yep. All right. So Gary, Indiana is very famous for being a a, a rough uh, city. Uh, what was it like growing up for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, like a lot of cities, it Gary had definitely had his rough parts, you know, and I had my rough episodes growing up. Um, but it has this, you know, affluent middle class areas too. So it has like a blend. And um, yeah, it was cool growing up in a city that was predominantly black. But it was it was also interesting because once you left Gary and you went to a city that, like, when I went to Bloomington for college, I went to college at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. And, you know, that city was like, you know, predominantly white. So mm -hmm. it's kind of culture shock going from predominantly black city to predominantly white city. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I had a great time growing up in Gary. Okay. So um, were you one of those people that uh, at a very young age, you you knew what you wanted as far as your career? Or was it something that you, you found out later that you, what you wanted to do? Oh, for sure. This this was something I just kind of, what I'm doing now, I kind of, you could say, stumbled into it. Um, mm. I um, My initial pursuit was in the entertainment industry. Matter of fact, I lived in your neck of the woods, Kente, for six and a half years. I lived in Los Angeles. 
for six and a half years. And while I was out there, I was primarily pursuing a career as a screenwriter. And uh, But that's where I saw myself, you know, building my career was in the entertainment industry. And, but what had happened, I mentioned that I went to Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. It's the career I have now, you could say, started there when I was in college. I could give you the long version. I could try to give you the short version. The short version, I was, I was in a, a, a dormitory room one time with three women who were part of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, you know, one of the top black sororities. And they wanted to pick my brain. I said, okay. They said, Alan, we want to ask you a couple questions. I said, sure. And they said, why is it that some men will give you the impression, more specifically the misleading impression, that they want to be, you know, your long-term boyfriend and that they really care about you. But then once you intimate with them two times, five times, ten times, then all of a sudden you just don't hear from them. I said, oh, come on. I said, y'all being naive. You know why that is. They said, why? I said, in simple terms, those men just wanted casual sex, but they didn't have the balls to straightforwardly tell you that. And they were basically like, why not? And I said, because, you know, they probably thought they would get rejected or, you know, things wouldn't go their way. So they felt like they had. Can, can I use profanity on the show? Sure. Sure. OK. Uh, I can remember. Um, yeah, I basically said, you know, they, they felt like they would have more success basically lying to you and bullshitting you than being straightforward. And, and what was funny, I remember women have this way and Shannon can probably attest to this. When women are cool with each other. They have this way of giving each other these looks just with their eyes, like they're communicating with their eyes. And these three sorority sisters kind of gave each other this look. And then they basically said to me, and so we were, they was like, Alan, we know the brothers we want to fuck just to be fucking. You know, that's basically what they told me. They said, we, we know the brothers who we want to have casual sex with, that we would be cool to have casual sex with. But if we've targeted you or identified you as boyfriend material, we either want you to, you know, have that objective, or if you don't have that objective, we don't want to, we don't want to be bothered with you, but we don't want to be tricked into having casual sex. Amen. <laughs> And so at first, I lightheartedly referred to them as whiners and complainers and being naive. But then a couple of days later, I actually found myself, you could say, empathizing with them. So I was in a fraternity myself, Kappa Alpha And I went back to the frat house and I started doing a kind of, you could say, informal survey. And I was like, hey, brothers, let me ask you a question. They was like, sure. I said, when you meet a woman, let's say you meet a woman. And you know from the get-go, you don't want anything long-term, anything emotionally profound, anything, you know, too serious. Basically, you just want casual sex. I said, are you are you straightforward about that? Or do you choose to lie and bullshit women? And probably like 96, 97%, I was like, oh, come on, Alan, you're being, you're being naive, man. You gotta lie and bullshit women, man. You, you ain't gonna have no success telling women straight up that you just wanna fuck, like casually. Are you serious? Come on, man. Women have curse you out. They might throw a drink in for you. You ain't going to have no success doing that. And so you can say I was one that was willing to go against the grain. I said, I said, that's bullshit. I, I disagree with that. So 
a few of my frat brothers basically like, okay, next party we have, we want to see you in action there, Mr. I want to be so straightforward. We want to see you go up to some women and straightforwardly tell them you ain't looking for no boyfriend, girlfriend relationship, that you just looking to fuck for the next few days, next few weeks, whatever. And we want to see what reaction you're going to get. We're going to be standing a few feet away and we're going to watch you crash and burn. And I said, okay. So sure enough, next party come. I'm doing what I now refer to as my mole one approach. And what they would see from a few feet away was, with most of it, it was funny, it was almost predictable. For like, you could say the first two, three, four, maybe even five minutes, I would get an adverse reaction like, excuse me? What do you say? I ain't no slut. I ain't no hoe. Don't be talking to me like that. You know, I'm a respectable good girl. You can't be talking to me like you just want to fuck me. I ain't, I ain't like that. And with my secret weapon was, Kente, I wouldn't react to them reacting. Mm-hmm. That was like one of my top three things was I would just remain cool and calm. I would usually have like a smirk on my face and I would basically give them a look like, yeah, whatever. Like save that bullshit for somebody else. And I noticed it was funny. Once they saw that I wasn't going to back down from what I said or in any way apologize for what I said, it's like they would kind of look around and then they'd be like, you nasty. <laughs> I like you. You nasty. Here's my number. So, so my frat brothers saw that and they was like, dude, what the fuck, man? What kind of Jedi mind trick you running on these women, man? We was watching you, man, and at first it looked like the honey was like cursing you out, man. Then all of a sudden, you just remained cool, calm, and collected, and we saw them start smiling and giggling, and then we saw them writing a number down, or in some cases, you even start tongue-kissing them right on the spot. Dude, you got to give us your secrets, man. Well, what is this Jedi mind trick? I said, ain't no Jedi mind trick. I just straightforwardly told him that I wanted to have sex with him outside the context of a, you know, a long-term boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. They gave me a little resistance at first, but I remained cool, calm, and collected. And essentially, they gave in. And in the story. And I was like, oh, shit. So over the next few weeks, man, I started having these frat brothers call them, nicknamed me The Legend. They start talking about me to other guys. They're like, hey, man, you got to hang around Allen, man. This dude is, like, just super straightforward, man. He, like approaches women, he tells them like straight up that, yo, I just want to fuck you, I ain't trying to be your boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. And women, they give him a little bit of shit at the beginning, but then they like, they like ease up and give in to him. So I had all these guys coming to me. And then the key point was my brother, I got an older brother named Steven. He was at another campus and he transferred to Bloomington. And when he first got on campus, basically some of my frat brothers were coming up to him like, Man, Steve, man, your brother Allen, man, he a trip. And my brother's like, okay, what you talking about? He's like, you don't know about your brother, man? Man, this dude is like the most straightforward motherfucker, man, of any, probably any guy in our frat, man. He just goes up to women in the first two, three minutes, man. He tell them straight up he just want to fuck them or he want them to suck his dick. And they give him like little, little resistance and shit, but then they give in. And see, my brother hadn't really seen that side of me. And so... They start asking me a bunch of questions like, so what's this about you and this like straightforward approach? 
He said, man, I don't know, man. He was real skeptical. And this is my brother. You think he immediately had my back, but he was real skeptical. Like, like basically, like, I got to see this in action to believe it. Sure enough, in this story that's in my updated version of, of Mo One, we were coming from a party, and we went to this 24-hour grocery store in Bloomington. It's still there, matter of fact, Kroger's. And uh, it was like about 1.30 in the morning. And this, this hot-looking honey gets out of her car right when we pulled up. She on this black mini skirt. And my brother saw her first. He was like, damn, she's hot to the motherfucker. She look good and sexy to the motherfucker in that dress. And I said, yeah, man, I'm going to go in and get us some grub, man. I'll probably, you know, say a little something-something to her. And then he was like, oh, you're going to use your, like, straightforward approach? He started laughing like, yeah, you know, we'll see if that works. Sure enough, Kente, I go in the store, I get grab some stuff for me and my brother, and I see her in the shampoo aisle. And I ain't gonna go dialogue by dialogue, but essentially I was mold one with her, just like the normal routine. Initially she gave me resistance, said, you know, oh my God, I don't believe you're talking to me like this, and blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, I had this chick, and this blows people's minds. If I go blow your mind, if you hear the story. I had her sucking my dick on her knees in the grocery store. <laughs> Clean up on aisle in four. In the grocery store, I had her sucking my... That's where she started until we got caught by a stock boy. <laughs> and then she... And I always joke, I say, that stock boy called us. He's probably telling that story to this day. Like, hey, man, man when I was young, man, there was this black guy, right? He's in the store, man. He's getting his cock sucked, man. I couldn't believe it, man. So she gave me the keys of her car, and she said, wait for me in the car. So I came out, put my stuff in my brother's car, and then I started heading towards her car. My brother was like, where you going? I said, remember the chick who got out this car? I said, dude, she was just sucking my dick in the grocery store. He's like, man, shut up. You are lying. You are lying. I said, bro, in about five minutes or so, she's going to come out that store, and I'm going to be sitting in the passenger seat of the car. I guarantee you this is what's going to happen. You're going to sit, because he was about two parking spaces away. I said, you're going to see us talk for maybe 10, 15, 20 seconds. Then you're going to see her head drop in my lap, and she's going to be sucking my dick again. And he was basically like, okay, I got to see this bleeding. Sure enough, she came out a few minutes later. We talked for maybe about 30 seconds. And then from his vantage point, all you saw is her head drop in my lap. And I just was looking at him out the window, smirking. <laughs> And you can say that was the turning point night because that night after he saw me in action, he said, bro, you got to put this on paper. And I, at the time, I was like, man, get out of here. He says, no, nah, man, I'm serious, man. If you're getting this type of reactions, this type of success with this straightforward approach, he said, man, you got to put this. He said, I think you can help out other guys. And at the time, I blew it. I blew him off for actually... That was in summer of 1986 to date myself. That was in 1986. I didn't finally take him up on his, his invitation until fast forward to now. I'm living in Los Angeles. I moved to Los Angeles in 94. In 95, I was living in L.A. He was living in San Diego. And he said, dude, man, I got these dudes working for me. And I'm telling them your stories, man. And they're like, man, they're like fascinated, man. Man, please just put together like a little, like maybe 20 to 30 page pamphlet of some of your stories, the psychology behind it, 
why you think you feel like it works, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, what the heck? So I put together this 30-page pamphlet called The Mo One Principles of Effective Verbal Seduction. And he gave it to about 10 guys. I think about four, if not five of the guys, they immediately said, this is too ballsy for me. I don't, I don't have the balls to pull this off. But the other five, they said, hey, I'm going to give it a try. And they all experienced some degree of success with it. And they was like, man, tell your younger brother, man, to turn this into a book, man. This shit's gold, man. This shit's gold. So from there, in 99, I created my first ebook. Then in 2006, I, I came out with my first paperback version. And you can say from there, the rest is history. Wow, man. What a great, great story. Uh, uh, I'll never look at a Kroger the same. Uh, after. <laughs> <laughs> Ever, ever, ever. What? The shampoo, Al? I know, shampoo right? Up. That ain't shampoo on the ground. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Really so, okay, so a lot of us have great ideas, and we want to, um, we feel like they may make a great book or a movie or something. How do you take these the this approach and actually translate it to a book successfully and make it so that the reader can um, take away what you wanted them to? Oh, I think I think it's somewhat I don't know if I want to say it like this because some people probably disagree. I was going to say I think it's a little bit easier to write non-fiction and fiction because with fiction, you know, everybody has their own diverse taste. You know, if you try to become like, say, a novelist. But when it comes to the genre of self-help, what I do is just share my experiences and write in such a way that everybody can relate to my experience. Like, it's funny, the best description I had of our book was his brother, he lives in LA, and he's cool with two guys who used to be street pimps. And what's funny was these two street pimps, and I had this happen with a street pimp in New York. So three pimps though, but these two in LA, at first they was hating on me. They was like, man, we haven't heard about this Alan Roger Curry, man. He looked like a like a clean cut, you know, college boy type, man. He don't know about no hardcore street game, man. What do you know about, you know, running women, man, from a, a street perspective? And then my buddy said, he told him, man, just read the book, just read the book. Sure enough, after they read the book, they gave me that stamp of approval. They told my buddy, they said, hey, man, your boy Alan Roger Curry, man, I take back everything I said, man. This nigga know what he talking about, man. And it was their, their assessment, which I borrowed since. They said, what this dude has done with his book is he's taken a lot of elements of what we us pimps call just simply hardcore street game, but he knows how to articulate it in a manner that the middle class nerd would understand. He has a very good writing style and he, he knows how to write it in a very easy to understand manner that it so that it doesn't go over people's heads. And so, yeah, I took that as a, a very flattering compliment. And yeah, man, I, what, what I basically the, the gist of my original book was simply, man, and I had this woman break it down to me, you know, after I left college. She, she said in simple terms, she said, Alan, just about us women, we know once a man flirts with us or is extra friendly with us, we know y'all ultimately your end game is that you want to fuck us. 
We know that. It ain't like it's a big mystery. We know you want to fuck us. From that point, it's just a matter of how is he going to go about achieving his end game? Is he going to basically lie, try to lie to us and bullshit us? Is, is he going to be straight up? Is he going to try to buy his way into the pussy and wind and dine his way into the pussy? You know, what approach is he going to take? But we know the end game is that you want to fuck. And she said, the thing with you, Alan, you you bypassing all the bullshit. You just coming with to women with an attitude that I ain't going to insult your intelligence. I know you know I want to fuck you, so I'm going to tell you straight up I want to fuck you. And either you're going to say yay or nay. If you say nay, I, you know, humbly accept that and move on to the next woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what I basically do is, in my first book, I break it down. All I break down men's what I call all a man's general verbal communication style into four modes, and that's where the title comes from. Mode one, mode two, mode three, and mode four. I pretty much get it just to mode one. Mode one is when you are just bold, upfront, specific, and straightforwardly honest with women about whatever your sexual desires, interests, and intentions are. Mode two is when you're start off being very, what I call overly cautious, your classic Mr. Gentleman behavior. You start off trying to be Mr. Polite. I want to get you to like me. I want you to think I'm a well-mannered, nice, likable guy. And then I'm going to slowly ease into letting you know I want to sleep with you. <laughs> Mode three is, is actually divided two to three subcategories. One version of mode three would be just a coward, what I call a verbal coward. A guy who, say, would meet Shannon, and he know he want to try to fuck her, but he's just scared as hell. So he just say they had a party together. He just stands up against the wall looking at Shannon like, man, I want to get with her. Man, I want to get with her. And two hours later, he's still telling his boy against the wall, man, I want to get with her. But he ain't never made no attempt. So that's the mode three verbal coward. Second subcategory, mode three, would be what I call the mode three target. Using Shannon as an example, that would be a guy who goes up to Shannon and he starts trying to just impress her. So he's like, hey, Shannon, yeah, you know, I own a house on the beach and uh, I drive a convertible Mercedes and I got a degree from, you know, Yale and uh, I own my own yacht. And he's hoping that she'll say, damn, I'm so impressed with all that shit you own. I just got to get you some pussy. (laughs) <laughs> um, and then the third guy is just the what I call simply the liar and the bullshitter. Mole three liar. He's he's gonna lie to Shannon's face and just tell, oh no, you know, either one or two things. One, he's gonna say, oh, I ain't trying to get in your pants. I'm cool with just being your platonic friend. I ain't seriously, Shannon. I ain't trying to. I ain't trying to fuck. Knowing all good and well, he's trying to fuck. And Shannon know he's trying to fuck, but he's gonna spend weeks and months saying, no, I'm just I'm just cool with being your friend. You know. You know, or what I already talked about with some of my front brothers, he don't try to lie to you. He's going to try to make her believe he wants something different than he really does, such as he wants a long-term relationship when he really knows he wants just short-term, or he's going to try to mislead or believe he wants something monogamous when he really wants something non-monogamous. So those are your mode three guys. And then finally, mode four is a guy, because he has got to a point where he's so frustrated over not getting the response and reactions he wants from women, he's become bitter. So that's the guy, if you have, and if you run a fella and say, hey, y'all having a football party or something, and you start talking about women, 
you got this one nigga that's like, man, fuck all bitches, man. Fuck them, man. They all ain't shit, man. Fuck them, man. Fuck all them bitches, man. They ain't shit. They ain't shit. Ain't nothing but gold diggers. They just use you for lunch dates. They eat on your dime, then they don't give you no pussy. Man, fuck them, man. You be like, dude, man, what's with all the anger and bitterness? Man, fuck them, man. Fuck them. So you gonna stop dating? Nah, I might do that shit, man. I, I fuck all of them. That's your mold for, dude. Yeah, there, there's a an, another uh, term now that's crept up uh, for guys like that. Uh, I don't even want to say their name, but uh, uh, it's about going their own <laughs> way. Going their own way, but... Uh... Oh, yeah, big time. Big time. <laughs> right. right uh... yeah, yeah, it's true. I ain't going to say... In fact, I ain't going to say all MIG child guys I like had that angry, bitter attitude, but I would say... Without question, a good majority of them do. Yeah, yeah, that, that's their general attitude. They're like fuck women. Yeah, which is uh, that's a whole other story uh, to get on those oh. those those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I was watching a. Um, well, let's talk about your YouTube channel. Um, okay. Your YouTube channel, great YouTube channel. If anybody has not had an opportunity to see it, and also uh, you're on Patreon as well. So there's content that if you're not um, if you're not on his Patreon that you don't have access to until you get on it. Um, you talk about a lot of wonderful topics. Um, what was the thing that first made you realize that you needed to get into YouTube and and produce this content? And what is how's it been since you have done it? Oh, it's been it's been great. Um, I got to give a shout out to a young brother who's based in Warsaw, Poland, of all places. Not too many brothers known for being there. But there's a brother named O'Shea Duke Jackson who has a major presence here on YouTube. And um, we got connected in December, two years ago, actually. Yeah, it was two years ago this month. And um, he said he wanted to start this website called thenegromanosphere.com, which I, I've been writing for for a while. And so at first we were talking about his website. It hadn't even got started at that point. Anyway, we're talking, and he's like, because, you know, I don't know if you know, I think you know from previous interviews, I, I had a show, an audio podcast show on Blog Talk Radio for nine years. Mm-hmm. That's where I first gained a lot of my internet notoriety, probably aside from just my books, was, um, yeah, I had a show called Upfront and Straightforward with Alan Roger Curry that ran from June of 2007 to June of 2016. And um, then I stopped doing that show. And so O'Shea was like, man, you know, so you stopped doing your audio podcast show. I said, yeah, man, you know, I gave it up. I want to concentrate on, you know, just working with my clients, this and that. He said, man, I ain't trying to tell you what to do, man, but you should come to YouTube, man. You can make nice money on YouTube. I said, really? He said, oh, man, now since then, it's changed. They've changed a lot of stuff. But I guess there was a time, like, he was telling me one month he had made, like, $10,000 in one month you know, from Google AdSense and stuff. And I was like, what? $10,000 in one month? Are you serious? He's like, oh, yeah, man. He said, if you get your, you know, your Google AdSense and all that stuff working, he said, oh, yeah, man, you can make money here on YouTube. He said, man, he said, the thing about you, a lot of guys I know on YouTube, they're only known within YouTube. He said, you already have notoriety outside of YouTube. This is a youth for them. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, uh, we're having a little technical difficulties. Uh, so we, and then somebody oh, told me go. about 
Patreon. Matter of fact, I was on your neck of the woods uh, in early November. Patreon, they have this conference called the Patreon Conference. Mm -hmm. This was their third year having it. And I actually went to their conference. And uh, yeah, that was the first uh, weekend in November. And um, yeah, Patreon, man, you know, yeah, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I made some nice money on Patreon. You know, I got a lot of great supporters, great followers. So like you already mentioned, what I do is I have some content that's free to the general YouTube public. Then I have some content that's exclusive to my Patreon subscribers. And uh, yeah, it's been wonderful. It's been, it's been real great. A big shout out to Dante in the chat. Um, now, uh, there's a couple of things, aspects of your YouTube channel I want to talk about. Um, and then I want to talk about some topics as well. Um, one thing that you do that is pretty funny is you do the, uh, the dog face thing. Can you explain it to the audience? Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that started, shout out to my older brother, Steven. It started with him, man. I, I went, I had a speaking engagement in Orlando, Florida last year. And I, my brother, tell you, I'm known just like we all probably got a friend or relative that's just known for saying stuff that makes you go, duh. So what happened, I got down to Orlando, Florida, and it was, like, super hot. It was, like, 95 degrees. And so I texted I said, bro, man, it's, like, super hot down here. And he texted back. He said, super hot in Florida? Hmm, that's strange. That's weird. Then he just sent me this side-out dog face, like, as if to say, duh. Hell yeah! Of course it's fucking hot in Florida, dumbass! And I just start cracking up over this dog face he sent me. It's the same one you probably seen on my YouTube channel. Right. And so right after he sent me that text, I said, man, the next YouTube video I do, whenever I'm responding to people's stupid comments or stupid questions, I'm going to give them the dog face like my brother gave me. So that's mainly when I insert the dog face. When somebody either asks me something that just makes me say, did you really just ask me that? Or did you really just say that? You know, that's so why I go, insert dog face here. <laughs> and then I show that dog face. Yeah, it cracks me up every time. Um, and also, too, um, uh, I noticed that on YouTube, there are, and I, I'm very aware of O'Shea Duke Jackson and his content as well. Um, and there's a lot of people that are, you know, producing content in the uh, the dating, the pickup artist, the uh, relationship advice uh, lane. And it seemed like it's really blown up uh, in um, really in the last like five years, uh, last couple of years. It's like tons of them out there. And, uh, you know, I, it, it gets real. It gets real on those uh dating coach streets because uh, I'm not going to go into specifics, but uh, it's a lot of sniping and fighting. <laughs> I was like, I was watching a, a video. I'm not going to say who, but I was watching a video and they kept saying ARC, ARC, da, 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 da. And I'm like, I'm like, I didn't know what he was talking about. And then I realized the ARC was you. <laughs> so yeah, that's what a lot of YouTube guys call me. Yeah, but ARC. I didn't, I, the guy, it was like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, who is this ARC they talking about? And then, uh, but I realized it was you. And uh, so it gets kind of tense between the, the different uh, dating coaches and whatnot, which is, which is kind of bizarre to me 
that um you know there's like some bickering and infighting but um i like the from what i saw of your responses to it you you do it you do it very adult like you know what i'm saying like you don't dwell on it or anything like that some of the negativity so i got to give you props for that cuz i and, you know some people they just bug out but yeah well i'll tell you it's simple you know at times it might be different things but the general as far as those who hate on me and always try to give me flack. It mainly relates to what I was talking about earlier when I saw Shannon nod her head when I was talking about the sorority, the conversation I had with those sorority sisters. See, a lot of guys, both white PUAs and dating coaches, as well as some other fellow black dating coaches, they believe my style, my upfront, straightforward style, is going to backfire with guys. So their basic attitude is almost like a lot of my frat brothers back in the day. Their attitude is, Dude, the best way to get in a woman's pants is to lie to them and bullshit them. That's what a lot of guys believe. Like, I've, I've gotten into it with white PUAs about that. They'll be like, you know, like, I've been at conferences where they'll flat out say that. They'll say, you know, this Alan Roger Curry, he promotes this straightforward. That's bullshit, man. That's dating suicide. You got you to gotta learn how to be a believable liar. <laughs> a smooth-talking, believable liar. That's how you get in women's pants. And there's a lot of guys, I mean, seriously, there's a lot of guys who firmly believe that. They believe the best way to have success sexually with women is essentially lie to them, make them believe you want a long-term, meaningful relationship, but then once you get the pussy two, three, four, five times, you just go ghost on the chick. Right. Whereas I don't believe in that shit, man. I don't, I don't believe in... I mean, my attitude is that even if that indirect line was to work for me, that wouldn't make me feel good as a person. Right. I ain't trying to toy with no woman's emotions like that. Mm-hmm. So I just believe in being straight. But that, that's the main basis for most of my haters. They they like, oh man, that's straightforward shit, man. It, you know, you're gonna miss out on pussy if you all straightforward like that and shit. You're gonna miss out on pussy. That's funny as hell. They're gonna miss out on pussy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, like there's like one guy, I don't want to say sky. his name, but he's real popular. Speaking of Patreon, I got to give him props on this. He's blown the fuck up on Patreon. Like, he's killing me. I, I, I don't go even like, I, I'm tempted to say his name, but I'm not. But if you pay attention to Patreon, it's particularly black dating coach. There's one black dating coach. He has like 2,000 Patreon subscribers. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that's me and him. That's been our major because he came out with a book recently. And he didn't attack Mo one by name in his book, but he just called it the direct approach. And that was basically his thing. He said, he said, I don't believe in a direct approach because you're going to miss out on opportunities for pussy. He calls it leaving pussy on the table. He (laughs) said, if he's a direct approach, you're going to leave pussy on the table. So I believe, yeah, he, he, he said, I don't even hesitate to tell guys, you lie to women, you bullshit them. You make them think you care about them, that you're really into them, and then once you get that pussy, you just leave them the fuck alone. Uh, well, like they say in Domino's, uh, all pussy ain't good pussy, so maybe you need to leave some of it on the table. There uh, you go. Uh, shout out there to Anthony go. in the chat room. He said, you got to keep it 100. I know who you're talking about. Uh, actually, about a month ago, uh, I was showing Shannon that guy's videos, uh, in our um, uh, in our pre chat, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's funny. That guy is v- hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's very interesting though. It's it's a lot of people out there um, that are out there uh, doing their thing, and look, look, I wish them all the success. 
uh definitely but uh man though it, it is it's real out there uh now there was a video you did and i kind of want you to talk about it a little bit um i think it was like maybe a couple of videos ago about the effects of uh feminism on um dating um like oh, yeah. yeah that was really good really good yeah it's it's funny I just mentioned that vast majority of what I call my haters and critics have actually pretty much for the last few years have been men. I don't, for the most part, I don't really have that many female haters and critics, although I've had a few here and there. But I did two videos just in the last month that caused me to get a lot of feedback from women, a lot of disagreements. And what I basically made the argument, the video you're talking about, I actually did two videos in a row, but the second of those two was I argued that I said, because I have a book called The Beta Male Revolution. <laughs> and what I argue in that book is that if there was one period of time that changed male-female relationship dynamics more than any other period of time in, say, the last hundred years, was that period between roughly 1960 and 1974. You got a lot of shit going on. You had the introduction of the birth control pill. You had the second wave of feminism. You had what's called the free love movement or the sexual revolution. You had the legalization of abortion. Mm -hmm. And on a side note, of course, you had the civil rights and everything going on. Oh, and and that's when gays and and lesbians first started to come out the woodworks and out of the closet. And so the, the biggest thing that happened after that is that, say, like in my mother and grandmother's generation, Rare exceptions aside, most women weren't fucking before marriage. Women believed in the notion, traditional notion of saving yourself until marriage. Like my mother and all her sisters, they didn't they didn't have sex for the first time until they get married. Mm. But during that period between 1960 and 1974, that's when women basically as a group became more comfortable having sex with men before marriage, outside the context of marriage, and even more specifically within the context of casual sex. And so without getting into a longer story, what I basically argued in that video, I said, there's been some benefits of the second wave of feminism for women, but there's been at least a couple of drawbacks. And I said, one of the drawbacks is, as women have become more open-minded and free-spirited and erotically uninhibited, it's made the appeal of their sexual companionship increase. But at the same time, it's made, in the eyes of a lot of men, the appeal of their non-sexual companionship decrease. To the point where a lot of guys' attitude is like, I just want to spend time with Linda the fuck. I don't want to go to the movies with her. I don't want to hang out at the park with her. I don't want to go to the museum with her. I don't want to do none of that non-sexual shit. I just want to go over a crib smash, maybe watch TV for an hour, didn't go on my way. And of course, a lot of women are like, they'll you see them on social media saying, oh, all these niggas ain't shit because all they want to do is come on your crib and fuck you and then leave. But I'm basically arguing in that video, you women can't be mad at men because you all, or maybe not you all specifically, but your predecessors brought that on. Hmm. Because again, the more free-spirited women became sexually, the more it made men say, well, shit. Why? Because a lot of guys had this attitude. Why would I want to spend 20 hours a week with Brenda non-sexually when another guy named JoJo spending three hours with her, that same Brenda woman, just fucking? Right. 
That don't even make sense. Most guys that don't even make sense. I ain't gonna spend 15, 20 hours with Brenda and I ain't getting no pussy. And this other guy, this womanizer that she has a, a liking to, he's just spending three hours with it and he's getting the pussy. <laughs> so basically, uh, Alan spending three hours. Ask her what she's thinking right Alan, now. I ain't heard much of shit. I want to so hear basically, some thoughts Basically, Alan is uh, getting them three hours, and uh, JoJo's getting the 20 hours of, and nothing, and blue balls. <laughs> oh, my God. This is, this is I'm laughing because when I saw your videos, um, it reminded me of when I was a kid, my uncle... It was me, my uncle, and one of my male cousins, and we'd always go to this store. And it was, of course, other family members there, too, because it's usually around the holidays. And he'd always be like, uh, watch this, talking to my male cousin. And he'd be like, hey, girl. And I'd be like, looking at him like, oh, don't embarrass us. Please don't embarrass us. <laughs> and they would, like, flock to that. And I'd be like, I'd be like, don't listen to him. He, he just wants to, yeah. He just wants to, but he'd be just like, "Hey, girl, let me get your number," and they would just be all he, he, and I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, they're about to fall for it." This is like, they're about to fall for it. And he was very straightforward. I mean, he didn't, you know, he wasn't necessarily vulgar in his reproach, but he was very direct and bold. And it used to crack me up because I was like. My mom always asked why I'm so aggressive. I was like, because of your brother. I was like, <laughs> he taught his kids <laughs> basically how to how to um, pimp out a woman's feelings because they'd be all over him like white on rice. And I'd be like, and then we get in the car and he'd turn on 112. And I'd be like, uh, what just happened here? Like, I was like, are you going to call her? And he's like, mm-mm, she going to call me. And I'm like, okay, well, sign me up for that program. Look, because so you remind me of him. Yeah, I come out of the same era. Um, it's just it's funny to me. He's the same man that used to have me pull his finger and then pimp all the women at the grocery store. I didn't understand it. I was fascinated. <laughs> I was like, uh, but it's always made me laugh because I'm like, do people fall for this? But at the direct approach is most appropriate. I mean, because it gives me or a woman like me the opportunity to decide if that's what they want to do opposed to what you said earlier don't trick me into this wham bam thank you ma'am type of episode i mean i want to know if that's all you want i might want that too but let me decide if that's okay so yeah i'm laughing because it's always funny (laughs) (laughs) and see the indirect guys they don't want you to make that decision Seems like you said, I want women to be in a position where they're making a decision to basically say yay or nay. But see, the guys who believe in the lies and the bullshit, their attitude is, no, I don't want a woman to make that decision. I want to make it for her. And why is that? Why why wouldn't a man want a woman to make the decision? Because most of those idiots would be fondly surprised that if they just opened their mouth and said what they really were getting at instead of hinting around it after dates and lies and story fairy tales that most women are there too with, I just want to have some casual sex. And then the ones that don't, I mean, like you said earlier, okay, well, thanks for your time. See you later. Like, is, is, it, is this the game? 
here's the thing that a lot of these guys don't get. Like, let's say a guy met you and lied to you and bullshit you and say he did end up fucking you, let's say, twice. But then after the second time, you realize he didn't want the long-term relationship that he presented himself as wanting. Are you going to be motivated to give him any pussy after that? Heck no. <laughs> no, because you're going to feel like this, this motherfucker lied to me, he tricked me. Whereas, see, with my approach, what I tell guys is when you up front straightforward with women, you get what I call residual pussy. Like, I can fuck a woman, say, all of January and February, and then say she might enter into a relationship from March through, I don't know, July. But then if she breaks up in, with that relationship, she'll come back to me and say, hey, Alan, I want to fuck again. <laughs> you know, because she know where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I would have lied or tried to trick that same woman, she wouldn't have that enthusiastic attitude wanting to come back and fuck because she's going to be like, oh, Alan, you, you, you know, you bullshitted me the first time. Wait a minute. Alan just said residual pussy. That's hilarious. Residual pussy. I'm, I'm using I, that. It sounds like a marketing uh, campaign. I'm like, look. <laughs> I love it. Residual oh, I, pussy, got, I got one more for you, kid. You got to read my book. I got a book called Ooh, Say It Again. That's the, that's the audio book that women love the most. It's it's about talking dirty to women. And I got these okay. six verbal seduction stories in part two of it that women, I ain't gonna lie, women, women love those verbal seduction stories. But there's one of my verbal seduction stories where I, similar to residual pussy, I talk about referral pussy or what I call, I said in my, over my adult life, I've winged a lot of guys. I call it winging. Mm-hmm. It's almost a variation of pimping. Like I can name times where I've never been what, you know, official street pimp or anything like that. But I've had situations where, say, I had five fuck buddies. Like, say, when I was living in Los Angeles, I might have had five fuck buddies. And I had a buddy travel from Chicago, and he's like, hey, Alan, man, I'm in town for a few days, man. You got any women you can introduce me to? I'd be like, yeah, man, let me call you back in about an hour. Then i get on the phone, I'd be like, hey, Linda, yeah, I got one of my buddies in town. Why don't you go to this hotel and hook him up? She'd be like, okay, daddy, I'll do that for you. I'd be like, yeah. i call that referral pussy. <laughs> I love it. Referral pussy. There we go. That's, you laughing too hard over there, Kente. Hey, that, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> Referral pussy. I love it. I love it. Now, there, there was another point you made up in the feminism uh, piece about how you have guys that that are having the pick of the litter and other guys that are are having a hard time do you know you know you, you know what i'm talking about and th- there was a term too that i've been made aware of that that uh, i hear on a lot of these youtube videos called pre-selected as well yeah there's a guy a fellow dating advisor and book author i'm cool with named rom wheels i borrowed that term from him which i found out he brought it from another guy who goes by the name master yao but they divide guys into select and non-select mm-hmm I kind of had those same delineations more so in my book, but I don't use those terms. In my book, I divide guys into womanizing alpha males and and more passive beta males. So my mm. delineation is alpha males versus beta males, but their delineation is select versus non-select. And basically what I argued is that, yeah, select guys are guys who are going to pretty much always have their pick of the litter. And, you know, they're going to always have options for pussy. Whereas a non-select guy is a guy who's going to honestly have it more challenging, particularly when it comes to casual sex. He might not have it all that challenge when it comes to finding a girlfriend, but when it comes to just finding women to fuck just to be fucking, 
he's going to have a much more challenging time than, say, the select guys. And this, again, goes back to the indirect guys. A lot of indirect guys, like the guy who dating coach I mentioned, but didn't mention his name, that's what his argument is. His basic argument is, if you're a non-select guy, why would you want to be direct like Alan Roger Curry is promoting? You, you need to be indirect if you're non-select. you got to lie and bullshit women if you're non-select. So. Oh, big shout out to Tachi. And you were saying um, in the video that there's because you were you were tying it into f- some uh, with feminism, how you have some guys who. Uh, oh, what I said yeah. is this. I think this might be but you can tell different. One point I made related to that was I said. Before the days of feminism. I said the delineation between good girls and what a lot of guys call kinky sluts, kinky promiscuous sluts was like this. But by the mid-70s, that gap had weakened. It kind of blurred the line. The delineation wasn't that obvious anymore. Whereas I said on the flip side, um, the delineation between select and non-select or alpha and beta was like this, but now it's like this. So they both went in different directions. Again, good girls and sluts kind of the gap shortened, shrunk, and the gap between alpha male, beta male, select, non-select, white, beginning with Stephanie. So there's this term thrown around in the manosphere, what's known as hypergamy. You hear a lot of white guys, like this guy named Rolo Tomasi wrote this book called The Rational Male. He talks about he punches that word a lot, hypergamy. What that simply means is that's also related to that. There's a concept in the manosphere known as the 80-20 rule theory, the 80-20 rule theory. And what that basically says is that there's only roughly 20% of men in society that women will be willing to fuck just to be fucking, just because that man is offering them some dick. The other 80% of the guys... They can, on the positive end, a lot of them can still get pussy, but they're going to have to do something to get it. They're going to either have to spend money. They're going to have to promise a woman long-term monogamy. They're going to have to spend a lot of time with her non-sexually. They're going to have to promise to help her raise children, et cetera. They're going to have to put something on the table to get the pussy, whereas the guys in that 20%, they'll be able to just say, hey, I'm here, and here's my dick. (laughs) And I know you want it. And women are giggles. I sure do. Look at you. And see, a lot of the guys who fall into the non-select category, of course, they're bitter. You know, there's some guys. What I, you probably heard me also say in the videos. There's some guys who just accept and be like, okay, that's just the way things are. But of course, you got a lot of guys who that creates bitterness a little. You know, the guys when they say that eighty percent, they like. Why why are these women giving all the pussy to that twenty percent motherfucker, man? Fuck them twenty percent motherfuckers. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find some way to fuck them up, man. Fuck them, man. They can't be getting all the pussy and shit for free and shit. I know a couple podcasts I could throw out their name, but I ain't gonna do that. But that's their main beef. They they a almost like hate women and specifically sisters because of the eighty twenty concept. They're like, man, yeah. all these sisters, man, they flock towards one small percentage of motherfuckers that they just freely get a pussy to, and all the other motherfuckers, they make us work for that shit. <laughs> Better work for it. <laughs> mm. 
So that that's interesting too, though. I, when 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 I saw that video and I saw you talk about that, I, I I said I knew I had to have you on the show to talk about that. Um, another thing too uh, that um, that I wanted you to talk about is, uh, and you kind of touched on it a lot, is um, the whole non sexual attention versus uh, sexual attention. Now. I I believe you said that you've been you've been engaged before, right? Never married though, right? No, I've never officially been engaged. I've come close. I've been like razor thin close to being engaged twice. So but I've never actually officially been engaged, but I've never been married, no. So what would get you Alan Roger Curry, ARC, to <laughs> value a woman's non sexual attention? Can't they on the side though? You 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 should know one of the women I came close to being engaged to because since you live in L.A. number one and you 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 pretty in the know when it comes to media and entertainment. Uh-huh. This one young lady, she was she was how do I want to say this? I don't want to call it flash in the pan, but she was a, a celebrity for like a hot minute in the late eighties, early nineties. She was a singer songwriter, and uh, if, let's say this: if you Google me. Mm-hmm. Her picture comes up with me. Oh, okay. Um, She's been on Soul Train and all that, BT. But uh, that was one of the two women I came close to being engaged to. But yeah, I, I say on my channel that kind of ruffles the feathers of a lot of women, I always say when it comes to pussy, I'm kind of an easy fuck. I'm an easy lay. Women can just get the dick like easy for me. But- <laughs> But I say on the flip side, when it comes to a woman gaining access to my non-sexual time, attention, and companionship, that's going to be harder than climbing Mount Everest for that woman. Because I'm just, because honestly, most of the women, no less than 95% of women I've dealt with in my life, man, if I spend too much time around them non-sexually, they either did one or two, they either bored me to death or irritated me to death. The only exceptions for me, and this relates to why I'm in the BDSM lifestyle that a lot of people know about, I have a particular taste, and I'll take, you know, onus on that. I like women who are ultra submissive, mm. like, like super duper, like girly girl, number one, really feminine, number one, and really submissive. And that was one of the times I was on your show, I talked about that. Like, if a woman is in any way, like, Smart alecky or defiant, you know, tries to give me a bunch of back. No, I don't. I don't play that shit at all. Other than maybe a one night stand or weekend fling, but anything longer than a one night stand weekend fling, woman got to be like ultra. Like I literally train women how to be submissive. You know, I train women individually. I train women who are in relationships. Like I have men refer their girlfriends, fiancés, and wives to me for BDSM submissive training. I get paid for that shit. <laughs> so guys in the audience, if you need your woman to be trained, Alan's the man. <laughs> I, 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 I'll slide you the number. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah, I got, I got a site. Uh, it's called, uh, Shannon, if you could put this in the chat room, it's mode1.net slash training. M-O-D-E-O-N-E dot net forward slash training. And... Um, Kente's gonna do it because I'm I like, I don't even I know what it. you just said. I'm so distracted. Yeah, that's my BDSM uh, 
training subject. Yeah, I do. I, I, so anyway, going back to your original question, you said, Alan, what would it take for you to... Um, yeah, it's, I, I could just say it is very challenging, man, compared to, I would say, like, my brother teases me that about all the time because he'll say, man, I know this, bro, you could go, like, days, weeks, even months without spending time with women and not sexually, man. It's like you could be just solely satisfied with spending time with a woman sexually but not because, like, my brother, he's been married for 10 years, and, you know, he of course, he loves the companionship of his wife. But yeah, man, I, 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 I honestly, I can honestly say, man, it's not too many women in my life that I've ever missed their companionship in a non-physical, non-sexual manner. Wow. Mm. Well, I mean, less than a handful of my entire life. But you know, a lot of times when when uh, guys get a certain age, or you know, they start seeing that the, the the light at the end of the tunnel, they start saying, "Oh, you know, I got to settle down," and you know. Is that? Do you think that's a possibility for for you, man? Well, everything is possible. That's, no, that's funny you brought that up, Kente, because I, I just earlier today I had a Skype consultation with one of my clients, and he was asking me about that. He was asking me that very thing. He said, "Alan, he's younger than me. He's like in his late twenties, and basically he said, at the age I am now, I'm kind of like you, Alan, when you were young, and even now, you know, I just basically want to fuck, 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 fuck. But he said, I know, Alan, when I get to your age." And I said, oh, you trying to say I'm an old motherfucker. <laughs> he started laughing. He said, no, I ain't trying to say that. But yeah, man, when I get to your age, man, I, I think I'm probably going to want, you know, some steady companionship, you know, somebody to talk to and just spend time with. And and so he asked me essentially what you just said. He said, Alan, if, if you don't mind me asking you a personal question, like, because I'm 55. He said, you being 55, man, don't you like just sometimes get like lonely and just want a woman just like around you? <laughs> On the side there, it makes me think, of, I don't know if you remember, Kente, do you remember this comedian named Patrice O'Neill? Oh, great comedian, yes. He had a lot of mole one type humor, man. But mm -hmm. along the lines of what we're talking about, he had this, this comment where he said, he was telling women in the audience, he said, ladies, here's the thing about us fellas. We don't per se get lonely, but we don't want to be alone. And he said, for example, he said, if I'm in the house, he said, I don't really want my woman like on the couch with me while I'm watching ESPN. You know, I'd be like, bitch, go somewhere. Go in the kitchen or somewhere. But as long as I know she in the house, like in her own room or in another room, crocheting or something or watching TV, he said, it just makes me feel comfortable. He said, so I like knowing that a woman's in the house with me, but I don't really want her up under me, like for a bunch of hours. Like my, honestly, my brother has kind of said the same thing. Like a lot of times when I go to my brother's crib, him and his wife are rarely in the same room mm. in the evening. She's usually upstairs in that townhouse, and he's downstairs. And so that type of thing, I could probably hang with that, man. You know, if a woman's in 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 my residence with me, but she's somewhere totally different when we're not fucking. But yeah, if we're not fucking, I don't want I don't want her like in the same room with me and shit. That'd irritate the fuck out of me. <laughs> Um, another thing we've actually kind of talked about this on the show as well um, is this I um, do you think that do you think that we were meant to be monogamous 
or do you think that's something that um social construct social construct okay yeah, I've said it in multiple videos of course that's ruffle feathers but there's at least two books among other like one two books I always promote along those lines is a book called Marriage a History by a woman named Stephanie Kuntz and a book called What Do Women Want by a guy named Daniel Bergner who I actually interviewed on my uh, blog talk radio show back in the day but uh, like Stephanie Kuntz points out in her book Marriage a History most people don't realize but monogamy is only roughly about 5,000 years old. Now, on paper, that sounds like a long time, but when you consider that human beings have been on Earth a minimum of 200,000 years, 5,000 years is a drop in the bucket. From the beginning of time, everybody was one of three things. Everybody in society was either promiscuous, polyamorous, which is, means simply long-term non-monogamous relationship, or polygamous. If they were married, it was a polygamous marriage. And she said, the idea of monogamous marriage just didn't come into play until two things really came to the forefront. One was transferring of, of property and assets. Men wanted to have just one woman who they could transfer, like in the case of their death, transfer all their property and assets to. That contributed to the emergence of monogamous marriages. And secondly, men start becoming paranoid about were, were their children really theirs? Right. So right. because back in the day, there was no DNA test or blood test. Because blood tests, I think, came in the late 19th century or early 20th century. DNA tests came around 1960s, 1970s. But before that, the closest thing to kind of assuring a man that his child was really is was he thought would be monogamous marriage, even though realistically a woman could still cheat. She could be married and cheat on her husband. Right. Shit. I, I wrote an article on Negro Manosphere where I confess, man, I confess this also in one of my books that between the age of roughly 17 and 37, I fucked about 35 to 40 women who at the time I fucked them were either married, engaged to be married, or had a long-term boyfriend. Mm. I was a lot of women other men. Home wrecker. <laughs> and uh so so yeah man monog I tell people all the time monogamy is a social construct because men are very territorial and pussy. Right. And I have a lot of men who don't even deny that. They won't even try to deny that. There's a lot of men tell me straight, hell yeah, man. If I'm if I'm if I really enjoy some pussy, I don't want that woman sharing her pussy with no other dude. I want that to be my pussy. I want to own that pussy. I heard so many guys say that. They say I want to own that pussy. I don't believe in community pussy. <laughs> but the reality, what I tell guys, you know, you, you you know, your woman can tell you that to satisfy your ego, oh, baby. This, this pussy yours. This yours. You own this. Do you know this pussy yours? But the reality is, ain't no man gonna ever own no woman's pussy. Only a woman owns her pussy. That part. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you just got to, particularly in the day and age we living in, and I talk about this again in my book, The, the Beta Male Revolution, that, I mean, there's a lot of women today that start fucking when they're like 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. By the time they're 25, some women have been fucking for like 10 years. Yeah. And have the kids, so, too. I mean, you know. Yeah. Now, this is something too. We've talked about this on the show, and um, 
this this notion of alpha beta even sigma men um in your estimation what's what's the big difference between an alpha male and a beta male well that's related to a lot of what we talked about is that um alpha males if i had to give a few traits one alpha males are usually more highly self-assured than the average beta male they're more erotically dominant than the than the uh, average beta male. Or you can say on the negative end, they're, they're far less compromising. They tend to have an attitude of, it's my way or the highway, whereas a beta male tends to be much more agreeable, much more compromising. I would say one of the biggest strengths of a lot of alpha males is that, related to the conversation about spending time with women non-sexually, Alpha males, if need be, they can go a while without a woman's companionship. Not only her, definitely her a long time without a non-sexual companionship, and even in some cases, they can go a while without a woman's sexual companionship, if need be. Whereas beta males are men who usually had a tight relationship with their mother. They're used to their mother being nurturing and affectionate, maybe even some sisters who were they were real close to. So they, they have reached a point where it's hard for them to go a long time without a female presence, which in turn, kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of makes them come across as thirsty a lot of times. Mm. They tend to be more thirsty, more, more desperate for women's companionship, both sexually and non-sexually. They just, they have a hard time going a long time without a woman's companionship. Whereas alpha males... They could cut a woman loose like that, right. you know, because that's how I am. I'll be honest, you know, like if I'm dealing with a woman, once she starts showing again her defiant side, her smart alecky side, her disagreeable side, I'm basically like you dismissed. And some women now be like, "Really? Are you serious?" I'll be like, "You dismissed." <laughs> Dismiss. <laughs> I love it. Look. Bye. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because I mean, I mean I, I've typically most of my life I've always had at bare minimum I've always had two or three options for mm -hmm. sexual companionship. So see, that's one of the downsides of monogamy, man. If you put all yourself in, in eggs in one basket, I don't want to sound like I'm totally anti-monogamy, but it's I'm just gonna keep shit real. If you totally put your eggs in one basket, let's say you and your wife or you and your girlfriend get in an argument one week. And as a, as a form of punishment, she says, well, I'm mad at you, so you ain't going to get no pussy for the next two weeks. What else you going to do other than possibly go to a prostitute or something? Right. Whereas if any woman in my life has tried to come at me like, you know, Alan, I'm mad at you, you ain't going to get no pussy, I'll be like, shit, I'll get your sister on the phone. What you talking about? <laughs> shit, what my you talking about? <laughs> oh, Shannon, you don't want my sister. You, you, you don't, don't want my sister. <laughs> Can't they know some of my stories because I've told them one, one or two of them before. I've had the kind of kiss and tell my experience. I've had sex with sisters, cousins, and the, the most eyebrow raised. I've had sex with a mother and daughter before. Mother and daughter. Wow. Yeah. Dang, that's, I'm, I'm done. That's I'm interesting. Mama and, daddy, mama and uh, daughter. <laughs> but I will, I do want to chime in to what you just said, and I'm not the rule i'm probably the exception although i believe in monogamy i do not believe 
that sex should be held over as a punishment. I don't think that's appropriate. Um, one, it tends to break up the relationship in terms of breaks down the communication, breaks down the intimacy, breaks down the... It's so many things when you use that as a bargaining tool to say, well, you piss me off, you not get none. It opens the door to so many different things. So I'm a big supporter of just me and you, but um, you better figure out why you mad and get over it because I'm getting some tonight, okay? That's my stance on that. And a lot of people aren't that. I have friends that all the time are like, uh... Uh, and I'm like, okay, when somebody else is giving it to your man, you're going to learn today. So I'm with mm-hmm. you on the latter part of it. And I'm still team. Can we just be together? I don't want to share you. And I'm not sharing. I mean, because like you said, men are territorial. Why can't women? So why why can't monogamy be the thing? Um, but that conversation does have to be had. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I agree with you. Yeah, no woman or man, because I don't want to just make it seem one sided. Because some people find this, but like there's, there's men who do that. Like I remember when I, I lived in like LA, I met this woman who was married, and I started flirting with her. And when we got on the phone, that's when she ended up telling me she was married. And at first, I was actually gonna leave her alone. But she, you know, she basically let me know that no, I don't want you to fuck me, Alan. I don't want you to fuck me. So when we start fucking, she, I said, "Damn, you an animal in bed." I said, I joked with her. I said, "Damn, I would think you ain't had no dick in like two or three months." And you know, I was just joking, and she ended up saying, "She said, well, actually, Alan, I haven't had any dick in like five months." I said, "Wait, yeah, I thought funny. you told me you was married." She said, "My father, my, my not father, my husband." She ended up telling you a story. She talked her husband into moving into this larger, more expensive house that I guess he didn't want to move into. Mm. And because he was mad that it kind of caused them some degree of a financial strain. Oh, yeah. He held back dick from her. He told her he wasn't going to give her no dick <laughs> for like the next six months, minimum. <laughs> ain't no dick for you, baby. <laughs> Man, he said, you talked me into moving this house, so you ain't going to get no dick. Which man, he had to be fucking somebody somewhere. Oh yeah, I was but, just about uh, to say he getting some and she not, or he thinks she not. Man, that'll, yeah, I, that'll I, I teach her a lesson. I shouldn't even say I fucked her. She almost fucked me. She like ravished me in bed. She did because uh, she she had some pent up frustrations. That's the conversation that people aren't having. Like, don't use what I did wrong as a punishment for what I'm not getting. Nah. Mm-mm. Because I'll tie you to the bed. I'm gonna get it one way or the other. Look. Ooh, I like that, Shannon. I'll tie your ass to the bed. I'm gonna get Look, that. Dick. We didn't take these vows for you to be talking about. I'm not gonna get it. What? Since, since when? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, we could talk about that all night long. Mm-mm. Not gonna happen. I, I like your co-host, Shannon Kente. She likes shoot. <laughs> Yeah. If I was in a relationship with Alan, he gonna give me that dick shit. I dare him to try. To <laughs> look, and I dare look. I dare you. Look. <laughs> Sounds like a challenge. Uh, you could try if you want to. Okay, so th- there's one more thing too I want to talk about, and I've never really fully got it. Um, at the beginning of your videos, you're always drinking something. Uh, is that uh, your sponsor or something like that? We got some hint water. 
Yeah, that's my. Here's, here's, people always ask. They say, "Oh, what's what, what's the backstory with you? Are you like did people hire you to promote their beverage?" Since you are, you know, a YouTube veteran, uh, Kente, you know, whenever you do a YouTube video and say you upload it, mm -hmm. the YouTube will automatically generate three thumbnail choices, mm -hmm. or they give you the option to upload your own custom thumbnail. Mm -hmm. So you can either choose one of those three automatically generated thumbnails or you can upload your own custom. And when I first started doing my YouTube videos, my very first video, one of my three automatically generated videos was me holding up a, a, a bottle of, it was vitamin water zero. Because I happened to mention during my video, I said, I had recently at that time, I came down with type two diabetes which fortunately is reversible. And for the most part, I have reversed it over the last couple of years. But I was mentioning that I had to significantly cut down my sugar. So I said, this is one of the, next to water, I said, this is one of the best drinks that doesn't have sugar. So I held it up. Anyway, that ended up being one of my generated thumbnails. So I used it for my first video. And then like two videos later, same thing. I brought up, I said, this is another flavor of vitamin water zero. And I held it up. And it ended up being one of my three generated thumbnails. So after that, beginning when I want to say like my fourth video, I said, I'm just going to make that my normal thumbnail is me holding up whatever my, the beverage I'm drinking at that time. And it just kind of stuck. Oh, I, you know, what? I, I, cause I never got the story behind it. So I'm like, I'm like, oh man, he they didn't hired him to, uh, <laughs> to promote. A lot of people genuinely thought I they thought Biden wanted zero and hired me. Then later, my main drink was Zevia, this like mm. sugar free carbonated drink. I, I hold up a lot of these. Hint and uh, Essentia water is another one I hold up. I like it. And and yeah. and and kudos to you, man. You've you've lost uh, a lot of weight. And, um, you know, you're in great, it seems like you're in great health now as well. Uh, no, no, wait, Kenton, did, did, did you hear me say that or you, you, you could tell by just looking at me? Well, remember, I saw the London video. So mm -hmm. the, the, the London video, you were heavier in that video. Because, yeah, mm -hmm. I mentioned that on, a, on one of my recent videos. I can't remember which one. But, uh, yeah, man, um, at my heaviest, my heaviest was in 2014. I was as heavy as 265. And then as recently as spring, early to mid-summer of 2017, when I first got on YouTube, I was 254. Mm. And now I'm 210. All right, man. Congratulations, man. Yeah. Congratulations. So, yeah, they're giving, yeah. They giving you props in the chat, too. Yeah, that's dope, man. Um, okay, so uh, we are at the point of the show we call Rapid Fire. And the way the rapid uh -oh. fire works is I'm gonna uh -oh. be I'm gonna be peppering you with questions more personal, but not we don't get too personal. Even though we've been pretty personal, uh, when we, I can I know. Give, give me all the personal questions you want to ask me. All right, I'll Especially do that. Especially you, Shannon. I, I challenge you. All, give right, me we, all the personal we're questions go, you want to ask. We're gonna go back and forth. Um, I, I might okay. have a question then, Shannon. Uh, and uh, I see in the background. This is not one of your questions. I see you have an X Files uh, uh, poster in the back. That's pretty cool. I noticed oh, yeah. that in there. I used to be a huge fan of X-Files. Me too, fan. as well. Huge fan. Big fan. All right. So the first question we always start off with, a couple of years ago at Coachella, there was a hologram concert of the rapper Tupac. 
what dead artist or band would you like to see a hologram concert of? Oh, well, my favorite entertainer of all time is Michael Jackson. So I think they did a hologram with Michael Jackson. Hey, man. Yeah. It would have to be Michael Jackson. I love Michael Jackson, man. And he's a homeboy, too. <laughs> yeah, he's my hometown boy, so, you know. Yes. All right. yeah. Go ahead, Step. Uh, go ahead, Shannon. It's my turn already. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, keep this conversation going. Okay. Um, next question. Doggy style. <laughs> I already know the question. Doggy style. <laughs> I wasn't even going to ask you what your favorite position was. I was going to say um, what you said you, the term you used was ultra submissive in an opening scene, if you will, for an ultra submissive, what is the first thing she must do for you? Oh, real simple. This is for me as sir. Say yes, sir. How may I serve you, sir? Okay. Hmm, you thought you was going to get me. thought you was going to take my answer. Question. Well, I, I wish your favorite guilty pleasure junk food. Now, I know that you've changed up a lot, but uh, what, right now, what would be your your guilty pleasure if you had a, a cheat day? Oh, without question. Now would be, even though it has certain degrees of sugar in it, is uh, Haagen-Dazs raspberry sorbet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that's my that's probably my number one dessert item food is uh Hagen Dazs. I eat that once, sometimes twice a week, but no less than once a week I I, I treat myself to Hagen Dazs raspberry sorbet. All right, Shannon. Why is that to be my turn again? You can't think of me called rapid fire. That's gonna be your answer every time. Um <laughs> Okay, well then, that's your first. Is that your favorite position? I love that. What you, okay, love so what's your second favorite? Because second not, would be, I would have to say, would be a woman's legs on my shoulder, and her legs and then her ears, and I'm just stroking that pussy, just stroking. I like to call. I have this nickname that. I have women even quote me on this. They, they, I call it slow dancing in the pussy. I like to slow dance in the pussy. Let me go get my comments in your book and add that new name. Slow dance in the pussy. Slow dance in the pussy. What was your first celebrity crush? Ooh, that's a good Jane Kennedy. Oh, Jane Kennedy. Remember Jane Kennedy? Oh yeah, that might be too. I remember Jane Kennedy. You, but yeah, Jane Kennedy was my first celebrity yes. crush. And, um, was this B, a pre-tape? <laughs> Jane Kennedy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Kid Tay in the know. He knows. Kid Tay knows everything. Love me some Jane Kennedy. All right, Shannon. If your life was a soundtrack, what would it be called? Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. I know. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> My life was a soundtrack. Sure, it ain't gonna be called doggy style. Huh? Cause are you sure well, it's yeah. not gonna be called doggy? I'm going to. You know, no, no, I'm no, no, that. You know, I'm not so original. 
I've often joked, I said, I think if, if, for those who believe in that reincarnation and you live in multiple lives, I said, I think I, I created doggy style in a previous life. <laughs> and it just stuck. Um, now, see, I get different things for different components of my life. Like, one time, I would say, in one aspect, like, this relates to when I lived in L.A., I was kind of a struggling screenwriter. It would be hard knock life. Because, mm. um, man, I, I, had some, I had some struggles trying to make it in the entertainment industry, man. Um, I had some good times in L.A., but I had my share of financial struggles while I was there, too. Um, but, yeah, to do with dealing with women that definitely got me something sensual, very sensual. Okay, so uh, these these three women from history, you got to rate. Uh, which one would you like to uh, to hook up with? Uh, in order, you have Cleopatra, right? Okay. You have uh, Delilah from the Bible. Like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have to go with the baddies, right? And, I mean, uh, you gonna say Mary next? No, uh, no. You know, I'm gonna go even crazier. Eve, the first vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh if I gotta go in order, man, I shoot. Eve would be number one, man. I would want to turn her out, man. I don't want to turn out Eve, man. Change the course of the whole society, man. I would turn her the fuck out, man. She would have never ate from that. Uh, <laughs> from the tray. Like, Damn, you done trained me so good. I'm gonna make sure all women who come have to be a just submissive because you done trained me so good that because man Adam man he was a beta male man he he didn't have no influence over her she was shit that that serpent could have fucked Eve before Adam <laughs> and uh, next up Delilah yeah I trained her too she was she, she was a little sassy something. <laughs> she wouldn't cut your hair. <laughs> she wouldn't cut my hair. I would have been like, get your kids. <laughs> oh, no. No. And, and I know Cleopatra would have been a handful, but she wouldn't have got in line. She wouldn't have got in line. <laughs> you got to keep her in line. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Go ahead, Shad it. Um, I'm trying to think of what was that question that you asked? Um, how many questions do we have left? Because this, this is your last question that you asked. I'm sorry? Uh, no, you have one, and then I got the last one. Oh, that's the one I wanted. Dang it. Um, okay. So, say you find, quote unquote, the one. Mm -hmm. um, what does she have to say or do to you to make you say, I'm ready to settle down? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> You're welcome. Um. Yeah, she would just, she would have to convince me that she's going to add value to my life. You know, I would say that would be number one, add value to my life. And uh, 
that I would say. And, and on the second thing would be that she's going to allow me to dominate her without her becoming just a complete doormat. Mm. I wouldn't want her to be just, you know, a doormat. But I, at the same time, I would want her to be extremely feminine and extremely submissive. Mm. So submissive with, with some backbone would be the best way I would describe it. I want her to be submissive with some backbone. All right, backbone. I love it. Uh, look, if Alan Roger Curry gets married, uh, invite us all to the wedding because I got to be there. I got to I got to be there to witness that one, man. Let me. I will fly to wherever it's at. I will have my best tuxedo because I got to I got to see that one, Alan Roger Curry, and I got to meet this woman too. <laughs> I got to meet. That'll be a special day. Trust. Oh man. Okay. So this final question is the one we always close out with, and. Uh, Okay, so you got to help a brother out. A young man is... Uh, where, where are you based at right now? I'm in the Chicago area. Oh, I'm going to Chicago, Chicago Sunday. Um, okay, so a young man is in Chicago, and he's taking a young lady out for his first date, and you got to give him the best date to take the young lady out with. So you're giving him mm. advice. So, Alan Roger Curry, so uh, you got to give him some pointers on uh, where, where to take this young lady. And he likes her. He likes her. He wants to spend some non-sexual attention with her. Mm. I probably recommend. Um, there's there's a, a lot of great restaurants, but um, one in particular is what's known as the 95th. I would tell him that's where actually where my brother proposed to his wife. Oh, I would have him take her to the 95th because he got a hell of a view. Hell of a view. One of the best views in, 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 in you know downtown Chicago area, because obviously by the title you can tell this was ninety fifth floor, and um, so I'll have him take it there, and uh, I, I would I would give him this little trick if he's driving, I would tell him there's one stretch while he's driving to act like he got a flat. And says, damn, I got a flat. And that's two things. One, I would want him to, that's for him to see what kind of woman he's dealing with. Is she going to be willing to help him change that flat? If she acts like she's willing to help him change that flat, he got to keep her. And then after she makes it known that she's willing to help him change that flat, he opens up the trunk and it's just a bouquet of roses. No, it's gonna melt her heart. Aww. Aww. and then he's gonna have it from that that point on. The romantic side coming out. I yeah, know. Yeah. 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 Brother, brother's a kinky freak, but he got his romantic side. You know, I'm here for it. All right, man. Once again, I have to thank you so much, Alan, for coming what? on the show, man. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, you know. Uh, you know, um, ever since you've been on the show, you know, you've always been a, one of the great contributors and I love your content. Uh, tell everybody, how can they get you on social media as well as your websites, uh, what book they should be, uh, um, picking up. And also, um, are you going to be live anywhere? Uh, 
No, I can't think of anything. I, I just did some live stuff uh, in the last few months, so nothing coming up in the very near future. Um, well, first, I want to say thank you, Kente, as well as Shannon. You, you guys have been excellent hosts. Kente, you've been holding it down for a while now, man. I've always enjoyed coming on your show. You've, you've been nothing but a class act. Um, this Mars and Venus platform is is. It's real nice. You, you've had some great discussions on Thank Mars you. and Venus, and I've, I've been appreciative for you to invite me on. Yeah, this is my fourth time. Um, my main website for men is directapproachdating.com as one word, directapproachdating.com. Um, I already mentioned a site I have for women and couples. It's more of a BDSM or into site, which is M-O-D-E-O-N-E dot net forward slash training mode one dot net forward slash training. You can find my biography on Wikipedia. I'm on wikipedia.org and I also have a Patreon page. Um, it's it's patreon.com slash mode one M-O-D-E-O-N-E and finally um as you've mentioned a couple of times, Kitty, I'm as of April of last year, I've been uh, had a presence here on YouTube under author Alan Roger Curry, author Alan Roger Curry. My books are on Amazon. I have four paperbacks, four audio books, and six ebooks, and uh, they've been selling well. Yeah, like I said, the audio books, women they love my audio book called "Ooh, Say It Again," which is kind of instruction manual for men on how to talk dirty to women. Mm. Then my other three titles, in addition to Mo One, yeah, I got Mo One, Who Said Again, I got a book called The Possibility of Sex. That's about manipulative women. And then a book called The Beta Male Revolution. And I talk about what I already talked about in this conversation, about how that period between 1960 and 1974 kind of changed dating relationships for men and women forever. Hmm. Have you ever thought about uh, doing like a documentary based on your uh, on your material? You know, I've had a lot of people ask me that, and 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 you know, I'll say this: if I do, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Kendi, don't you have experience doing stuff to do with documentaries? Sure. Yeah, we're working on one right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll say this: if, if if I go full throttle with that man, I'm I'm gonna touch base with you, man, because right. uh, I know awesome. you. Our seasoned veteran in that game, man. Um, you got a lot of talents and a lot of expertise in a lot of areas. So yeah, I, I would probably reach out to you, man, and you know we make it happen. I would love that, definitely, definitely. Uh, Shannon, how can people get you on social media? And she's an author as well. How can they oh, get your book? Yes, okay. very talented lady. Social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Shannon Ford, like the president. Hyphen Jefferson, like the president. Um. And then Amazon for my poetry books. There are five of them. And then um, one will be coming up in 2019. Well, I got to hate on Shannon for our social media because I sent her a friend request. And, you know, it said error message. It said, this woman <laughs> don't want shit to do with your ass. So take cancel your fucking friend request because she don't want shit to do with you. I said, damn, that's cold blooded. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that one too. Unfortunately. <laughs> so. Oh, and before I forget, because I'm I do forget sometimes. 
um, I am going to be a part of an album project um, by Indigo um, Music um, called When Love Has Spoken, um, coming out 2019. Um, it's a collaboration of some really dope, amazing, talented writers, rappers, singers. Um, and she, of course, is producing the album. Um, we're going to do our thing in 2019. So it's going to be a big year of musical excellence. So you sing and do poetry? I can sing. I'm not singing on this album. I'm doing poetry over oh, okay. a okay. track. Um, but yeah, I've I've held a tune from time to time. That's super cool. But that's yeah. super cool. Yeah, she can I, like sing. That. She I can sing for you when we go off air, you know. <laughs> right. I don't want nobody to see you blushing or nothing. Oh, uh, okay. Is that what it is? It takes a lot to make me blush. <laughs> oh, you just wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I want to say that you can get me on Twitter at Kente F. That's K-I-N-T-E-F. Uh, and you can get me on Instagram at Kente Ferguson. That's K-I-N-T-E-F-E-R-G-E-R-S-O-N on Instagram. And you can go to our website, IndyRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. We'll be back Friday for uh, the season finale of the Spotlight Radio Show. We'll be um, interviewing uh, actor, martial artist, filmmaker Robert Parham. And he's going to be talking about his new movie, Jackson Bolt. So that'll be really cool as well. Um, I'm going to be a guest on uh, Dr. Vibe's show. On uh, It's called Manhood versus Masculinity, Masculinity on Thursday. So that'll be, uh, um, you know, I, uh, Dr. Vibe is an awesome dude, and I'm looking forward to being on that program as well. I'm going to be there as a guest. Um, uh, this program note, um, you know, after this week, we'll be back uh, in, in, um, on January 19th for all new episodes of Indie Radio. So we're taking a long hiatus, but we actually are coming back with a 24 hour podcast that we're going to do. Uh, we're going to get a bunch of podcasters together and they'll be constantly doing programming for 24 hours. So that's going to be crazy. Wow. But yeah, it's going to be crazy. Wow. So we got to get you on there too. Uh, that's and amazing. 24 yeah. hours straight. Wow. 24 hours. So it's not going to be 24. I just, so uh, y'all don't get scared. It ain't going to be 24 hours of Kente, uh, you know, but uh, it's not. But uh, that's how we we're gonna kick off the new year uh, on the nineteenth of January. So, so that's gonna be really cool. Um, also, uh, if you guys are familiar with the Get Vocal uh, platform, uh, I've opened up a room. If anybody wants to come in there on Get Vocal, that's G E T V O K L dot com. Uh, it's a good uh, site if you haven't checked it out. So with all that said, you guys, if I don't talk to you guys uh, before, uh, if I don't talk to you guys on Friday, have a great holiday and God bless and Happy peace holiday. out. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. January 19th. We doing a Ebenezer Scrooge, awake. I am the ghost of the Mercedes-Benz winter event. Your time is running out. Come, I must show you. The sleek CLA. Nice, said Scrooge. But I am kind of a Scrooge. No worries. The CLA offers true Mercedes performance at a surprising price. Or check out the GLC, an SUV with the full complement of technology and performance. Give your year the happy ending it deserves at the Mercedes-Benz Winter Event. Now at your Mercedes-Benz dealer. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. 
holiday tips, and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Looking for wine with a reindeer-inspired name for your secret Santa? You've come to the right place. The sweetness of a maple-glazed ham paired with a bourbon barrel-aged Cabernet. Uh-oh. We went there, and now my taste buds are hopping. I can help you impress the boss with a great bottle of wine. Here's to a raise in 2019. As you check off that gift list this holiday season, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine & More. Cheers. 